from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Started out uh, pretty nice today. Just got a little, uh, got a little rain. I mean, that's sort of the way it is. Uh, as we were talking yesterday, hope everybody doing well on this Wednesday. As we get things going on another edition of the drive, Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell from uh, AUTigers.com, twenty four seven sports here in the uh, studio with Drew at the controls. JC, how you doing today? Doing good. Uh, just uh, coming in from golf. Uh, the Tigers. Uh, Played really well today. Um, probably going to finish no worse than tied for the regional championship. Vandy. They're going to advance. Going, I mean, going back out top, right, top five advance. It, it doesn't change your seeding even in the NCAA tournament, but you like to win. Oh, one. yeah. It's fun to win, and especially so, when you're hosting. Yeah. And so uh, played really well today. Um, Alex Vogel's song, um, 16 pars and two birdies. You, you do that, you'll you'll uh, you'll have a pretty good day. Yeah. And so, you're never uh, in the red. Yeah. You're, you're usually pretty good. You did good. So, yeah, a good day for them and uh, just kind of. They're finishing up now. Had a weather delay for here about maybe an hour and a half or so. Um, but it uh, looks like they're going to get back on the course here shortly. And Vandy has one player left on the course with one hole left to play. And it's going to take a if birdie. If birdies it, they would, it's a tie. They would tie. Right? They would tie. Uh, yep. And so, um, but Auburn's advanced to the NCAA championships. Um, the thing the 26th to 27th or so, it starts at Greyhawk out in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. So, um, congrats to Coach Kleinard and, uh, you know, those guys. They, uh, Put a lot of work in and had a lot of pressure on them uh, when you hosted. That's that's a that's a big mm-hmm. deal. And so they uh, they came out and played well. Yeah, well that's uh, that's good. I mean that's uh, you know we we mentioned that yesterday and then uh, that's not like it's the only thing. I mean a lot of times at this time of year you'd be like, well baseball season's winding down and it is and a big series for Auburn coming up starting tomorrow. Boy, hopefully hopefully the rain gets out isn't a factor uh, tomorrow. But it looks like. Looks like Friday and Saturday, the weather looks a little bit better. But uh, uh, a an important baseball series, it's not like it was when we were talking two or three weeks ago about this, but now it's just continue the momentum. That's it, continue the momentum. And yeah, I'm, you know, had people ask, you know, kind of what's it take for this team to host? I, I don't know that winning three this weekend even gets you a host uh, the way the SEC looks right now. I, it's, it's different than, you know, last year was a different year. Auburn's RPI was a little higher. But you look at this league, and Kentucky's not a team that's going to be a national host. But they're the number one RPI team in the country. Uh, they're they're probably going to host. Uh, you know, when you look at where they are. But you look at at you got Arkansas, you got LSU, you got Vandy, and you got Florida. Probably four teams that are all going to be national seeds. You got a couple of teams that are they're going to be fighting to try to get in there. South Carolina lost at home again last night to Charlotte, which is a big deal for them. They're really struggling mm-hmm. down the stretch. The South Carolina Tennessee series. Would be one to watch for Auburn in terms of hosting, but you got to go out and I think, I think probably win at least two to give yourself any chance. I've seen two different opinions in the last couple of days about Auburn's status at the moment, as far as how close they are to that top sixteen as far as the line. Potential seating. Yeah, our friends at the Time Picayune 
they uh, they had the Times picking you, and of course uh, they had Auburn as the two seed at the number sixteen regional uh, Dallas Baptist, which would mean Auburn uh, would be the seventeenth team on the board and presumably very close to moving into that top sixteen. Baseball America's projections from earlier today uh, have Auburn as the two seed in the number five. Uh, region, uh, Stanford, uh, which would mean Auburn is further away uh, from that top 16 if you're a two seed at the number five seed uh, in in the country. So there's a a variety of opinions about whether or not three games would do it or if Auburn would then have work to do in the SEC tournament to improve their status enough to be one of the top 16. We've we've moved away from talking about Auburn as a bubble team because of the way they've played in the last four weeks. But uh, as far as Moving into the top 16 and hosting postseason baseball, I would agree they've got work to do, but but they might be. You know, they're, they're in the they're in the conversation. You're in, you're in the conversation if you go out and and, and you got to win. You got to win between this weekend and next week. The first, I think you'd have to win three out of four. The the next three out of four games to have a shot. Um, you know, to put yourself in that position anyway. And so, um, Auburn's 20th right now on RPI. That's D1 baseball RPI. The with the thing you run into is 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 Alabama's eleven RPI because of schedule. Alabama is is one game under five hundred in, in SEC play at thirteen and fourteen, but they get that same Ole Miss team that Auburn played last mm-hmm. weekend. They get them in Tuscaloosa this weekend, and so you, you think okay, if you go out there and if they do what Auburn did, their RPI is not going to drop any, and so they would put themselves in a position. As I mentioned, you start you know looking at some of these other teams. I mean. Kentucky is number one RPI team in the country. Um, they're not going to be a national seed, but they're thirty-five and fifteen. I tell you what, though, um, if they were to to go out and play really well this weekend, um, and you you know, if they were to sweep somebody and go thirty-eight and fifteen and be the number one RPI team in the country, you might put yourself in a national host position. But South Carolina's three, Arkansas's four, LSU five, Florida six, Vandy seven. Unbelievable! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it just shows you the strength. That's, it shows you strength of this league. Alabama's ten, uh, Auburn's in. Auburn's twenty. Tennessee twenty three. And so you're looking at what six teams in the top twenty three in RPI. And country. you're not going to have that many posts. That's no, just, they're, that's they're just, just not. Fact. Yeah, they're not going to give you that many. Now, and, and, I would think that other teams in the country are looking at this and thinking if an SEC team is the two seed, if we're if we're one of the top sixteen you, teams, in the you're country, not going to like that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 bad news. And there's a couple you know places where uh, looking at Baseball America's projections, they've got Indiana State. As the 16 seed, they've got Tennessee as the two seed in that region. Yeah, got, I saw one with it would had Auburn at Coastal Carolina, went, and Coastal mm-hmm. Carolina would be one, which would be a Myrtle Beach trip, which would be good. Uh, you know, you think about Auburn baseball historically. Um, the last time Auburn baseball made any significant trip in regional play, Oklahoma City. Um, that's the last time Auburn baseball made a significant trip when they played, and, and they were the one seed. At Oklahoma City, with Oklahoma the two seed, Auburn. That was the year Auburn won fifty games in 1995 and couldn't host because of plays a park. Yeah, we and, were looking at different places outside the SEC that look like regional hosts. If Auburn's going to be a two seed, Clemson, even before they got uh, the, the situation unfolded in softball, uh, we we thought that Auburn as the two seed in Clemson could be something to watch out for, especially if they keep it regional. Because places like Clemson, Miami, it, Myrtle Beach. It's, it's really strange, but it's it's really strange. But Auburn historically stays regional in softball and baseball. Meanwhile, Ole Miss softball has been sent to Arizona a couple of times. Ole Miss baseball has gone West Coast a couple of times. It's real strange. Like hmm. that, that 
two hour, three hour difference has has changed. But Auburn historically does stay on the east on the eastern side, or more often than not. And and if they don't host, I would look for something regional for Auburn if that was the case. And uh, so so the series starting tomorrow, Auburn and Missouri, uh, and and Auburn without Christian Herberholtz this week and for the SEC tournament. Yeah, they're 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 going to hold off. Uh, shooting to get him back for NCAA regional play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not uh, an MRI. It's not an, a a Tommy John situation. It's called a pronator. I think injury is what it is, and so it's just a kind of a strain elbow. Um, so they'll see what he looks like. I actually, I talked to Christian for a minute yesterday while they were waiting on the results. He said you know he felt okay, and so I think for them, um, hold him out a week, let him rest. Try to throw and see if you can get him back for regional play would be goal number one. And you know, had, had people asking about you know injuries and it it's it's just unfortunate the way it is. People pay attention to Auburn because they follow Auburn. Don't when realize this is what happens all over places. the country. Yeah. It really does. This Missouri team coming in, Missouri team coming in swept Tennessee the first weekend of the, of, of play and had three have they have three pitchers that were missing from that weekend. Um, I think at least two of those guys are out for the rest of the season. It it has impacted pretty much everybody. LSU, that LSU staff that everybody's talking about now that can't get people out after the first pitcher has two really important pieces that are out for Tommy John surgery this year, including Grant Taylor, who's a guy that's probably going to be a draft pick. Jason Caldwell with us here in the studio. It's Bill, Dan, Jason uh, for Jason with us for most of our number one. Drew at the controls. And speaking of our number one, it's brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline. You can call us on that uh, Kia of Auburn hotline, and the number is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which is available however you listen to podcasts. Uh, So we open up, uh, Jason, talking about NCAA Golf Regional here uh, at the at the AU Club, and then uh, baseball, as and we can we can preview more of the Auburn Missouri series. But there is plenty other news. I mean, it's been a very productive last uh, little over a week for Auburn football. As um, you know, folks wondering, boy, it's it's going slow. It's not slow anymore. Auburn's picked up six transfers now here in the uh, second portal. Yeah, it, it's just a continuation. I and, I and I talked to some coach some coaches in other sports that that say, look, what you're seeing in football uh, right now, d- d- these spring sports are going to be the same. Uh, and it's not just football and basketball. Baseball, the portal opens up. I think the thirtieth, right after conference tournament play begins. They're expecting just people left and right to enter oh, a yeah, baseball sure. portal. So that means you have softball. You're going to have golf. Um, I mean, it's every sport right now. There's going to be transfer portal everywhere. But football, yeah, has that. they continue to do what they need to do. I've said it all along. It's about talent acquisition. That is the name of the game, talent acquisition. And they've made this roster better and continue to make this roster better. And, and that's goal number one. What do you well, know about the uh, – we'll go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, I, I believe 20 players <laughs> transferred out, and there are now 18 that have transferred in. Yeah, I mean, you, you've like I said, you've – I think you've helped yourself. You've added experience, uh, playmaking ability. When you you think of some of these guys like Jair Shorter, a wide receiver from from North Texas, is is a playmaker. Now he's he's a big play threat. 
he's probably not going to be Darvin Adams' guy that's going to catch 75 passes and do that. I don't think that's his role. I think about him more as a big play threat, a guy that can stretch the field, do some things like that. I think that's his role, and frankly, that's a guy that, that Hugh Freeze has done well with in the past, and I think that could be something he brings to the table. seems like both of the receivers are that, that they've added in this in this portal window, uh, the Ohio State Caleb wide, Burton, wide receiver Caleb Burton, and now uh, Shorter from North Texas. They both seem like guys who you know, fit in as rotational pieces at least and you know could could be – more than that, I, I am I'm curious about Shorter's health. We were reading earlier today that, that he missed all of spring with, with something he was recovering from. And both, both guys missed spring practice. That's right. Caleb, yeah, Caleb Burton missed Burton his work. Too, yeah. That's part of the I think that's part of the reason why they're they're here um, because they they missed out on kind of some some pieces. That, but I think you know Caleb Burton's a younger guy, so he's a guy that has more time to kind of get going as a redshirt freshman. Uh, but I don't, I don't think either one of these are things that are significantly impacting them to be ready to go this fall. It's just a matter of can you can you get them out there, can you can you keep them out there, and that's the thing. But I do think they're very similar. Um, you know, I think Shorter's you know, probably a little bit longer, a little bigger, but both the guys are a quick twitch, can really run. When I think when I see Caleb Burton, he reminds me of of the Alabama slot receivers of the past few years. Which is a guy that catches the the seven yard slant and, can take and splits the, the defense yeah. and goes seventy five. That's the kind of guy that I think he is potentially for Auburn's offense. And Shorter said that they <laughs> sold him on playing time, so I'm thinking they're not that worried about the his opportunities health. are there. <laughs> well, they're thinking he can play. I, I, the the one thing that I would say coming out of spring practice, I think wide receivers were a much bigger issue for for this coaching staff than quarterback was. Now I think quarterback was an issue. But I mean, look at the, the 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 work and the the numbers of receivers they've gone after, and this they're they're trying to go out and, and significantly impact that. They're also going out, going look, guys, if you don't pick it up, you're not going to play. We're going out, we're going to get somebody to try to to beat you out. And so, I think Javaris Johnson was the most consistent of those guys in the spring. Mm-hmm. Not surprising. Um, and and so you start start thinking about okay where do you go from there? Um, I think and we've the, seen we've seen some departures yeah. as well from guys who who were not recruited by this coaching staff who gave it a try in spring practice didn't like where they stood at the end of spring practice and among other things you know that that, that we assume factored in to the decision to go well, into the portal and go somewhere else. Yeah, and you can look at similarities. I mean, your your uh, uh, slot type guy and, and Tavares Dawson is gone and Caleb Burton's in and Landon King's gone and Nick Mardner and Jair Shorter are in. So um, and Rivaldo Fairweather, as right. well, who, who presumably would get some of that playing time that that uh, that, that may have gone uh, to to a player like Landon King. How about uh, how about Nixon? Because that that's a really interesting <laughs> acquisition for a a linebacking core that also not not that not that dissimilar from wide receiver potential. Some guys that you like. Yeah, there were some numbers forward, there, but you know, not not a ton of guys who have played and produced over the course of a season a lot in their careers. Now you add someone who was a, a highly productive uh, group of five linebacker. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing for his productivity, experience. He's he just brings that to the table. So I, when I when I look at um, Nixon, I just see a guy that I think can play inside and outside and can do some different things. Obviously, playing in that league, as you know, you've seen that league. You got to be able to run and play in space mm-hmm. um, because you're not playing a whole lot of ground and pound teams in the Sun Belt. That's not happening. So, um, I think he's a guy that can can play that outside. Where's North Texas? Star, that's, that's, Star, that's Conference USA. Right? Conference USA. Yeah. yeah, same. I think, but same same style play. 
Um, you know, that, I mean, heck, North Texas. If you play that every day, it's, they're going to spread the field. To, I mean, group of five leagues aren't playing. They're not. They're not going to line off. up. Yeah. Correct. No, they're, they're not going to line it up and run it. And they're spreading the field and trying to go tempo. Do some of those things. Some some Mountain West schools feel like they got the athleticism. That was sort of the Harson thing, right? Some of them feel like they can they can be a little more conservative. Some of, the athletes, of that, but yeah. A lot of it's really. I mean, correct. some of the more cutting edge stuff tends to go. It goes, from the group of five. It goes up. from high school to there. Yes. To, yes, it, it branches out from the lowest levels now. And sometimes the mat can look like it's being beamed in from 10 years in the future it, with the offense. Correct. <laughs> 10 years of the future, but it looks like it's from the 80s at times, too. And Canadian. Like it's all yeah. it's all it's all mixed in together with what but they're yeah, doing. Yeah, no, I, I think Nixon's a guy that that this gives you another another guy another guy that gives you some options at linebacker. You you've added athleticism, uh, some experience. And now you've got a good mixture, I think, at those positions. And and can you know? Can he be a guy that that maybe helps you inside more? Can you slide Cam Riley outside a little more? Do some different things. I think that again, there'll be a lot of trial and error. I think in the fall, we need to get to our first break of the afternoon. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Jason Caldwell with us for a couple of more segments here on the Wednesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell here in the studio. We were talking about the uh, transfers that Auburn has added most recently, the uh, pair from North Texas. And Jason, I, I don't think, I don't get the feeling that uh, Auburn feels like they're done. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think in, in this day and day and time, you're, anybody you can a, get a, while you've got Roman, everybody in the country will will always look to continue to upgrade their roster. We just saw we just saw Georgia add a running back. I mean, Alabama's adding guys. I mean, those two teams have recruited better than anybody in the country, and they're adding transfers now. Georgia hadn't added as many. Alabama has. Alabama's been very active in the transfer portal the last couple of years. They've recruited better than they got a couple better than of anybody. defensive backs last week, <clears throat> and so. Um, yeah, you you better always be looking, you know. And then we had this, you know, that quote unquote always be recruiting thing that we had the last couple of years. Well, you better always be looking in the portal. Right. You better always be looking to to try to get another player to to make your team better. All right. So um, I, I would think the number is is smaller, but uh, where where's Auburn looking the hardest right now? Yeah, I, I still think there's a couple of spots you start you start looking at for this team um, when you try to get to where you're going you go okay can you find um potentially another offensive lineman i don't know that there's one out there you might take a junior college kid yeah. there may, you may you may take that one which would be to me ideal if you could get mm-hmm. a junior college player with three years still remaining to bridge the gap a little bit to the high school ranks and help you in that regard that would be ideal in my opinion i think you look there potentially another wide receiver even uh they've added a couple i, I mean there may I be so. there may be another one if it's the right guy um so you start looking at that, and you know you continue to think edge rusher slash defensive end. <clears throat> I think if that's always been there at the top of the list, they're just they're more precious. They're, they're harder just, to find. They're just harder to find. And you know you think about you know transfers. You know James Madison transfers. Not he's not the classic speed edge rusher. He's more of a, a defensive end type. Um, you know that's a guy you'd probably still take at this point because of his experience. That guy's played a lot of football, um, and so those are a couple of spots. Potentially, maybe a, a veteran 
defensive back Maybe. if you found a guy like that. But um, I think you start to to kind of go, okay, feeling good about where we are for the most part now uh, if you're this staff. I believe Auburn had uh, a guy we we talked about a couple of days ago, Shane Hooks, the uh, former Jackson State receiver who had committed to Ole Miss, then uh, decommitted from them. Uh, I believe I believe he was he was in town yesterday. He was in yesterday. Um, and yeah, just a quick visit. Um, you know, again, I, when when you see those things, it tells you that they're still looking. If if they feel like they can add a guy that makes them better, and he, um, he's another guy that <clears throat> he was productive now. Fit, yeah, he he got over sixty passes last year, and also fits that. Uh, the type that that Hugh Freeze has talked about with a, a large catch radius. Yeah, he's a longer guy, um, the guy that can make plays in space, do some of those things. So yeah, um, that that would be uh, again, like I, I keep kind of coming back to it. But if you're if you're a staff in any sport right now, um, you cannot just go, hey, we feel good about this roster. We're gonna we're gonna let it ride. Um, you don't ever know what your roster is gonna look like in two days, mm-hmm. um, much less in august when you when you rolls around so you have to continue to try to go look and and kids on your roster have to understand that nowadays too they you you know you have the you have the ability to leave and and there's no way all of you are going to be back at this point next year which means we've got to go continue to bring in better players it's a different way of approaching this question but like are there positions on this auburn roster right now where where you would be surprised if they added somebody between now and the start of the season? Like, are there spots where you think they feel like they can they can stand firm, barring attrition, they can stand firm with everyone they've got right now versus some of the positions where they might be looking to actively add a I, I think running back tight end of the two where you go, yeah. hey, we're, we're pretty good about where we are. Um, honestly, quarterback, because of numbers, you're probably not going to take a fifth quarterback. You're going to have four by the time you get well, started. Well, with, with running back and tight end, could you see a scenario where – a player with a lot of eligibility remaining, you know, sort of a project could still be, you know, could be taken. Or do you think they just the the, the, the eighty five is so important? I, I think, and I think it, not it, at running back. Here, here's the thing about that position, you know, or, or just the roster in general. You got to get to a point to where high school recruiting again matters, mm-hmm. and and so just like quarterback, you you had to take the right guy at quarterback. You can't go take a guy with four years left. That you go, hey, I think this guy is going to be pretty good. You may once already have devel- one or two of those guys. Correct. Once he develops <laughs> all this thing, what what? Because then what happens is the next guy goes, well, you know what? Um, they just got a guy that is in my it's position. Going to be there my whole time. I, I'm, I'm going to yeah. go somewhere else, and right. so that's what you have to be careful. Of. That's why these one year guys are really good in year one. To again, I think to fill in to give you experience through those things, but it still allows you to recruit to think about. Hey, here we need you because you're the future at this spot. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the uh, the number to get through. And you were you said something a, a couple of minutes ago before the break that uh, I think is very important. And it and it's almost impossible to do it, but you'd like to not be too top heavy or something like that. You want to be able to have room to to try to replace your needs, but you don't want to have um, you know, uh, a situation where every year you're looking to bring in 40 players. Yeah, no, that it, I just don't think it's sustainable. It, to me, it feels like Jackie Sherrill in in the junior college. Yeah, it, but it, you you got to be willing to go out and and add a few key pieces every year. But I just don't think you're going to build a roster every year 
and do it from the portal. The only places we're seeing in football where there's a ton of portal movement, generally speaking, right, it's, it's coaches in year one, with the possible exception of Lane Kiffin. Feels like that might be a plan to lean on the portal quite a bit, although he didn't lean on it. I suppose he didn't lean on it as much this year as he did last year, although they still signed. They brought in two quarterbacks. Yeah, so, I mean, they, still, which, they still brought, you know. Amazing. O- Ole Miss would come to mind as a place. Right. I, I suppose USC to an extent, although they're doing pretty good recruiting high schoolers mm-hmm. as well, so it's, it's hardly as though they. But it, do, it does feel like something's wrong if this is happening when it's not the first year. Correct. And, and if you're seeing a ton of movement in the portal on both sides. Outside of year one, it's a concern. It, it it would be a little bit of a red flag. And you you're, you mentioned Ole Miss. I think that's one where you look at it, and then when they they go, hey, let's bring in a quarterback. Let's bring in another quarterback. Let's do all those things. And the guy you had there is the guy that's going to win the job anyway. That that to me, that's when it can get really dicey because you're bringing transfer guys in and it doesn't work. And these are experienced guys. Sometimes that doesn't go well. We just saw a little bit of that. Sometimes it doesn't go well for a roster when you're bringing guys in at that, especially at the position where they're not going. You're not going to play at quarterback if you're not the guy. Right. You're not going to play. Um, offensive line. If you're not the guy, very rarely are you going to play a bunch. Um, it makes it sometimes it can make it difficult. We're going to talk basketball, and we got to have Jason's golf minute in the in the next segment. We we got to carve out some time for that. I wanted to ask you though because I'm really interested in the story of the of the kid from the NFL Academy who just committed to Tennessee, Emmanuel Okoye, who's the 18-year-old originally from Nigeria who's been playing football for about a year. Who I mean, I, I just saw the story in the last day or so. I'm wondering, do, do you know of international recruiting that Auburn is, you know, what, what, sort, of, what, what sort of effort Hugh Freeze is putting into? Because it does, I, I do wonder if we're going to see more with the NFL's growth internationally, we're going to see more international players looking to college football as a way in. And the story that this this young man, Emmanuel Okoye, has a broad jump and a vertical leap that would set the NFL combine record at his position, and he's an 18-year-old eligible immediately to play defensive end for Tennessee. I wonder if we're going to see more stories like this moving forward. Yeah, I, well, just think about what, what we've already seen at Auburn, though. We just had Killian Zaire from from Germany. Uh, we've had France. We've had um, you know several players from Africa right. that were here. Uh, I, I think it's something that that everybody has to be wary of. Obviously, Australia has become the punning capital of the world. Um, I, I do think it's it's something. Now, here's the thing: there's no stone unturned. If the, the the you know the NFL has made football a a a world game a little bit in in some regards. Yeah, just think you know, you know th- this was almost unheard of a couple of decades ago in basketball. Yes, and yet now it's yeah it's it, it's an everyday occurrence. I mean, just you had <clears throat> think about in basketball in the eighties, um, the only time you saw somebody that was outside of the United States was when they played the Olympics. The Olympics, that's exactly that was right. It. And now now it's it's common. a very oh, common it's occurrence. All right, we need to get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. Stick with us. One more segment with Jason Caldwell here on the Wednesday Drive.
now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 25 minutes away from 5 o'clock here on this Wednesday afternoon. And uh, one more segment with Jason Caldwell. We, we've talked uh, quite, a, quite a few different sports, but uh, we haven't gotten into basketball. And uh, Auburn right now is sort of in, in the wait mode, waiting mode, to see you know what, what becomes of players that are uh, trying to determine their professional uh, futures. Yeah, it's it is really interesting, and we were talking about you know roster development, all those things. Football, yes, you're you're trying to add players. Basketball, I mean, this is this is vitally important. In football, you hey, it's a luxury right now, and it's vitally important to to get those things yeah, done right to have, to be able to practice on the offensive line. Like it's it's as a collection, it's been vitally important for Auburn to do what they've done individually. Basketball. It's vitally important for them to to add another wing to oh, get no to, to get that guy. And right now, it's it's a huge question mark. Tyron Lawrence, uh, guy that that I think Auburn felt good about after he visited, and then it's kind of changed. It's kind of changed a little there. bit. It was NBA a little bit now, and I'm telling you, Vandy has made a significant are, push. Well, Vandy's lost a lot of players from an NIL standpoint, and and uh, yeah, they are putting a ton of emphasis on him from an NIL standpoint, and. Um, I think there's some some talk about that's hey, that's a school with wealthy alumni too. And, like, and, well, and you get the Jerry right Stackhouse, you know, makes the right phone calls. You're right. One one would think that an, a Vanderbilt NIL collective could could thrive. Yeah, in, you get in the right pieces, there. and especially when they and then and then they do this. They say, hey, we want you to work at being a point guard, right? And you're six three, so you're not you, a three, right? You're you're much better suited if you want to play in the NBA, yeah, to be a ball handler. And you're not going to do that on this Auburn roster. You you might be able to do that at Vandy. And I could even see if if yeah, it makes sense if the if the competition is him returning to Vanderbilt. I could even see hearing from the NBA. Jerry Stackhouse is a fantastic coach from his time at the NBA when he was when he was specifically. Teaching guards as an assistant coach, like that—that's something. Not to mention the time he spent as a guard in the NBA. Like that's a guy who could help keep him on that path. That—that's that's a you know that's one thought I had heard earlier in his recruitment that NIL was playing a major factor in his decision. And uh, yeah, as soon as he reopens things, you know, does it seem like staying in the NBA draft is a real possibility for Lawrence, or does it seem like it's more? It, it, he, he feels more like a player who's coming back to college basketball. It, it, yeah, it doesn't feel like staying again. Six mm-hmm. three. If you're a six three player in the NBA right now, you're almost one hundred percent going to be a, a point guard. I mean, there, there's, I mean, there's a few Steph Curry's around, but even then, he's he's listed, I guess, as a point guard for Golden State, even though he's a shooter. Uh, you better be. I'm talking about you better be the lights out shooter at six three or something really special. Well, and and he also is a guy that had a good first day at the G League Elite Camp. Then they moved him to point, and he struggled. Didn't get the invitation to the combine. It's it's hard to imagine why he would stay in the draft because he's probably uh, it's almost very very likely to go undrafted. What about Julian Phillips? Yeah, you know, there's. I so, think he's staying in the draft. Yeah, and I think I think he's a guy that's pushing up because of athleticism and size. He has those two things. 
the other part of that is if you're Julian Phillips, your your uncertainty about will I will I be eligible in, if I wanted to stay in the Southeastern Conference? I, I mean, I think he probably would be in the, in the long in, in the in the grands. I think by the time the dust settled, but if there's any question at all, and you go like, hey, I don't, I, that's the people I know. I don't really want to go anywhere else. Um, that might help you make that decision a little bit more for you too. Um, so yeah, I mean. Uh, you start looking at, I mean, there's a reason why Auburn has gone out and, and started, you know, uh, I think looking at elsewhere just to, to make sure. How about, how about a little breaking basketball news courtesy of your buddy Nathan King at 24-7, who's talking to Bruce Pearl right now, Yes, part of the ambush tour. Bruce Pearl referencing a non-conference matchup this season in Atlanta Against the Indiana Hoosiers, had that had that been mentioned? It, it had not been. It had not been finalized had, by Auburn. Yeah, it has been mentioned. That'd I think a little buzz. Goodman, maybe somebody, yeah. one of those guys, that, talked be, about that, it. That's right. the. That's the. I think maybe the holiday hoops giving. Yes, uh, could, that, could, that, could that be he had, yeah. Yes, you know, and, and he's been talking. I mean, that's the thing. Bruce has sort of alluded to that. Uh, the hoops giving's been very good for us, and we want to keep playing good teams there in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean that's that. Those are the kind of games that are that are huge. For basketball teams, from a growth standpoint, from an RPI standpoint, strength of schedule, all those things, those, those are standpoint. yeah, those are really big yeah. deals. Yeah, so that's that's good. Well, uh, yeah, so so I mean, and you could tell the other day when when Bruce was at his tournament that it, it sounds like okay, we we need to get on with this. We need to get somebody added to the roster because you don't want to sit there and wait, wait, wait for somebody who then once everybody else has decided where they're going says, no, nah, I'm, I'm either going back to my school or I'm sticking in the NBA draft, and, and you come out short. Auburn could play right now, but they really could use that that extra wing who can shoot. Yeah, and you you got a couple things now. you got that, and, and you got you to see what, what Broom does. That's right. Um, I, I still think Broom's a guy that, that's going to have to do some different things to be an NBA player. Um He's probably helped himself in that regard, but I, I still don't think it's right now. I still think you have to come back and show. I mean, when you're a big man in the NBA, you still got to be able to go out and defend the perimeter. Um, you got to be more physical around the rim, and you got to be able to step out and shoot the basketball, not just a set shot. And so I think there's some things that he needs to do. Can he be a guy that does those things? Yeah, I think he's talented enough to do that. I, you know, here's the thing. What you, here's what you don't ever know. You never know. What somebody is telling somebody mm-hmm. and who they listen to, because somebody could be telling them, "Hey, you're going to get drafted." Well, then if they don't, I mean, there's no there's no recourse still at this point. We were just having a conversation off the air in the commercial I break. Wanted, uh, well, ahead, we, we, yeah. we were just talking about the financials of playing in the NBA versus some of the other leagues around the world, and how that's changed pretty drastically over the last few decades as NBA salaries have grown. I still don't know what the financials are for staying in college basketball versus trying to play professional basketball in Europe or in Asia Ooh, or in the Middle I th- East. I think the G. I, th- I think I think you've got a, a a good argument against the G League. I just don't know that you do uh, with with some of the leagues yeah, overseas. I, I, I think, don't. I, I think it's going to be tough for NIL to to stay up with all those. Right, and that and that's where I would be. Be concerned if Janai Broom is being told that he's a pro, but maybe not an NBA pro. You know whether or not that mm-hmm. you know what's what's best for him short term in, in that regard, and, and what Auburn's competition should be. Yeah, and what you said, Jason. We've talked about it in the past. I still don't understand why you can't go through if you don't get drafted. You you 
you should be able yeah, to. Yeah, I, I think, I think again, there are going to be some tweaks to these things. I think it, it makes everybody better. Because there are, too many, there are too many guys that think they're going to get, they get the word, and they think they're going to be drafted, yeah, and they're not. And, and the problem is, is, is what you do with rosters, because you start signing guys, oh, when a yeah. guy goes into the draft, and then he gets drafted. He doesn't get drafted. He comes back to school. You don't have a scholarship for him. Then he goes somewhere else. I mean, it's a cra- it's a crazy world. It really is. I went and looked and just like at least at least you know most teams aren't at thirteen. Most most aren't. Uh, I went and looked and I'm, I'm about overseas from American players two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. That'd be tough to to match that. That's what I mean for every standpoint. one of those guys. So, yeah. so do we have time for Jason's golf minute? Yeah. PGA Championship. We should. Oak Hill Country Club Oak in Hill. New York. Oak Hill. Um, Jason Duffner won there last time out. Ball striker golf course. That that you start looking for guys that um, that are tops in greens and regulation proximity from the fairway, and when you do that, the guy that stands out right now is the guy that's been winning, John Rom. John Rom has been as good as anybody in in making those shots. Colin Morikawa, Duffner, Jason Duffner, not the greatest putter. He won there because he kept the ball in play and hit hit the ball close. And and Mason put Colin Morikawa is a guy that probably putter struggles a little bit more, but he's a great ball striker. That's two of the guys I would kind of look for. So so of the and using the odds from uh, this from Vegas Insider using uh, I think it's Bet three sixty five has these officially listed. But you're they've got seven players with a twenty or or a two two uh, yeah, twenty to one or better All right. to to win it. You've can got, I go? Can I go? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Rom. Rom's one of them. He's seven and a half to one. Scheffler. Scheffler's the other seven and a half to one favorite. Roy McIlroy. Rory's th- he's a twelve to one. Uh probably Justin Thomas is usually up there. JT's high. just outside the top seven, twenty five to one. Uh, J- uh, uh, JT and uh, Dustin Johnson are both at tw- uh, twenty five to one. Yeah. So just outside that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, Morikawa probably should be in that. Morikawa's thirty three to one, a little bit longer. That's, huh? a, that's interesting. How about, how about Finau and Brooks Kepka, both at twenty to one? Finau is the guy. Finau right now leads the tour in in strokes gained. With iron play, my, my Bruin Patrick Cantlay eighteen to one. A guy I always find myself rooting for in these situations. You don't like the course matchup, maybe? Yeah, for, well, for I just Cantlay? he's a guy that there, he's drawn so much ire because of slow play, because of things he's done. That could that could be interesting to see in kind of in major format again. And then Xander is the other one. To a six, Sixteen. Xander's to one. another guy that I mean, you know, I think about ball striking. I think about I think him and Colin Morikawa. I think about more as ball strikers in this regard. Justin Thomas. A little can get a little wayward at times, but has has the great game. I would still go to Rom because he's so powerful and he hits the ball, you know, where he wants to. Rory, that's that's pretty good combination. Rory twelve to one. It's been nearly ten years since he's won a major. I was shocked to see that twenty four. Everybody looks at and he's he's played pretty good last year. Um, he's still the guy because he's so long and he drives it straight. Uh, the thing the thing he can you know, can get is is he can get a little wayward at times with the iron play. And putter, um, putter was not as again. This is a ball striker golf course. So I think you look at that list. I think that's going to be the group. It's, it's going to play long. It's not terribly. It's not crazy long. So it, some, it should be a lot of fun. Some real big names as long shots before we uh, wrap the segment up. Uh, uh, Patrick Reed is uh, somewhere around ninety to one. You know, he's he's somebody who has has had has performed yeah. well in majors. And like you said, I, I think fits kind of the qualities you were saying about ball striking as well. Even though it's it, it can come and go for him. Yeah, he can. I mean, there's a couple of those guys yeah. down there that that. I mean, there, there's so many guys now that can swing it. Young guys like a Tom Kim, some of those guys. Um, Justin Rose is in the people don't. Category. Yeah, I, I don't know about Justin now, but I think some of these young guys, a Tom Kim, some of those guys can really swing it, hit the ball really well. Um, but I, I would look for for that main group probably. That that's normally a course where. 
quality wins. And at that time, Jason Duffner was playing as well as anybody. He had played really good in majors a couple of years in a row. I think this is a again a, a course that that favors guys that can hit it really well. Jason Caldwell uh, with us as he is on Wednesdays. Uh, Jason, as as we started things off, big big baseball series. Uh, a lot of folks are, are already assuming a sweep after last week and looking at the SEC tournament. Yeah, no, no, no assumptions. I mean, this Missouri team's playing for a lot too. They're playing to yeah, try to get in the SEC tournament. Stay they're, in the tournament. They're playing yeah. to try to play themselves in an NCAA tournament down the road. They've won five out of six, uh, swept Georgia last weekend, a couple of walk-offs. They haven't been nearly as good away from home. I think they're 2-10 and ten on the road in, in SEC play, so they've struggled away from home in Columbia. But you know, this is an Auburn team. Again, we've talked about pitching has kind of led this resurgence. Mm-hmm. You're without Herbert Holtz this weekend. you got to get Chase Awesome some innings. You need it again from Tommy Vale. Um, but uh, you think about you know Zach Crotchfeld, Drew Nelson, uh, those young guys, they got to give you some of those things. To, I mean – but but this is an Auburn team that's playing with a lot of confidence, um, and uh, just looking forward to seeing them, you know, at home for maybe the last. Yeah, I was going to say last guaranteed home appearances Never for this season. Hopefully, uh, weather cooperates because I think if so, they're they're going to be fun crowds. Should be a lot of fun. Jason, let everybody know uh, how they can keep up with you and, and everything that all you guys do. Yeah, you can check us out, like I said, AuburnUndercover.com, uh, AUTigers.com as well. I'll get you there. and can also follow me on Twitter at ITATJason. All right, Jason, uh, see you this weekend. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, that's going to uh, do it for Jason. We've got one more segment this hour. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of hour number one of The Drive. Our thanks to Jason Caldwell for being here with us. Uh, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> Jason left us, Jason left us a, a going away, a parting gift. Um, let's see. And it was, no, Jason didn't do it himself. No, no, it's, a, there's just, uh, um, wanted to let you know. Let's see. I've got to double check. Um, we have some baseball tickets for the Auburn Missouri series that we were talking about. And uh, let's see. We have, courtesy of our, our, our favorite benefactor, we have a pair of tickets right behind home plate for tomorrow. So uh, if, if you're, and, and again, this is the same thing. One of our winners yesterday um, that was, and this is, uh, you know, Texas asked that, hey, he'd love for a parent to go with their child, take their child to the ball game. Tomorrow, it's a 6 o'clock first pitch. And uh, one of the winners, Carolyn, was excited to get the tickets, but turned out that her granddaughter has a volleyball uh, tournament tomorrow, so she's not going to be able to go. So we have those tickets behind home plate that are available for tomorrow's game. If you're interested, uh, just call in. Drew will set you up. We'll need to get your... uh, your email address so text can can get you those tickets. So we'll do that. And then in hour number two, we'll give away a pair of tickets for Friday. Um, now, Friday, once again, a 6 o'clock first pitch. And what we'll do for that is we'll let everyone who wants Friday tickets 
to be able to call in and register, and we'll draw for that pair of tickets. Um, so we'll do that. Let's uh, let's get to the phone. Who do we have? Jason. Jason is up before we get to our top of the hour break. Hey, Jason. Hey, man. How's it going? Pretty good. Hey, good deal. Hey, I want to talk a little Auburn hoops to start with. Um, I can't imagine what Bruce Pearl is trying to juggle right now. Uh, you know, we're looking at right now this team, that, as it's currently constructed, is barely a tournament team, if if a tournament team, probably a bubble team. Uh, you know, if you were to get a Tyron Lawrence, then all of a sudden you're you're probably a tournament team. Yeah. If Jonah Broom comes back, if that is Jonah right. Broom doesn't come oh, back, oh man, without without either of those guys, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It, it it's it it would take a, an unbelievable, yeah, it'd be a uh, tremendous effort to get there. Yeah, um, you know, the, really the only thing that you can knock Bruce Bruce on is roster management, and I sure hope we didn't pass on Matthew Cleveland, uh, hoping to get. Tyron Lawrence, and then it's going to bite us in the rear end. Um, nobody really knows if that's what happened or not, right? But, but I hope that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, we don't know. I mean, that's something that now you can look back and go, "Man, I hope we didn't do it." Just like you said. Um, but yeah, sometimes you don't want you don't want to jump and take someone if someone better comes along. But it's it's really tough these days. Roster management is just insane. You're right. Oh, it is. It's the hardest part of the job, and I would think it's going to drive some good college coaches out of college into the NBA. Um, I can't imagine. And then trying to pair people up with NIL money and all that stuff is just amazing. On the the flip side, Hugh Freeze has really – I just thought about this today. The gap between Alabama and Auburn. Yeah, go ahead. We got a minute. You still there? Yeah, go ahead. The music just means we've got a minute. Jason, you still there? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay, sorry, I'm on 280. Um, I was just saying the gap between Alabama and Auburn in football has shrunk dramatically. Uh, there is There used to be such a wide talent gap, and I really feel like there's not a huge anymore, and I'm, I'm excited about what he's doing. Oh, no question about it. Uh, yeah, you're breaking up a little bit. We're running short on time. The gap? Uh, definitely has been closed. There's still a lot more to do, but uh, yeah, very, very impressive the job Hugh Freeze and his staff have done. We're halfway through here on the Wednesday Drive. Our top of the hour break coming up, then right back with hour number two. ESPN 1067. WGZZ HD3 Waverly and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. The Celtics Heat postseason trilogy at NBA Center stage tonight for a third time in four years. The team's meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals. Heavy underdog Miami, plus 410 by Caesars, needs Jimmy Butler to be aggressive to have a shot at the series upset. ESPN NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins. If I'm Jimmy Butler, I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm not being passive. I'm coming out and I'm emptying the clip. And I, when I say that, Jimmy Butler throughout this series, he needs to take 25 to 30 shots a game. And no one is going to be mad at him. 
And I, I think he will. I think Eric Spolstra will put him in position to do that. Game one coverage, 8 Eastern ESPN Radio. Coach Doc Rivers firing apparently didn't sit well with 76ers star big man Joel Embiid. GM Daryl Morey said today Embiid was shocked and surprised by Rivers' dismissal. Morey added that Embiid did not have a say in Rivers' fate and that no player will have a say in their next coach. The MRI on Blue Jays' first baseman Vladdy Guerrero Jr.'s sore knee revealed no structural damage. He is not in the lineup tonight against the Yankees. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
in uh, in baseball would probably be fifth, and then they, you know, if, if they won the SEC tournament and finished as high as that, that'd be about as close as you could get uh, because there's so many. As, as Jason Caldwell was on here with us, uh, there's six SEC teams in the top ten in RPI right now. Yeah. Now, I knew the baseball thing was different. I just kind of, I don't know where these rumors are coming from. I don't know if it's people just fear-mongering or just paranoid that, you know, if they do it to one, they'll do it to another. I, I don't know where they're getting this stuff from. It just kind of confused me. But um, I did, I did want to say one other thing. Um, I saw where Under Armour lost another school this week. So I don't know if that means anything on our end, but... I don't know what it means, <laughs> but well, anyway. I mean, again, it continue it continues the trend that Under Armour is getting out of the um, sponsoring of college athletics. Yeah, I mean, I offer no insight into who has the lead between Adidas, Nike, and Jordan brand to be Auburn's next uh, apparel provider, but I would expect Auburn and Under Armour uh, to to probably sever ties within the next eighteen months, two years. Like I think that's probably yeah. to be expected based on the way Under Armour is getting out of the college apparel game now whether or not i think some folks are reading the tea leaves with Bo and and charles barkley and thinking nike's the heavy favorite i would caution against that because adidas is very involved across the country and and is is you know picking up the slack especially at a lot of former under armor schools so you know i, I don't know who it's going to be next but i would i would be ready for the under armor relationship to probably end as for the softball thing um you know auburn is auburn is ranked 22 right in the uh, in, in in the RPI, so I don't think ranking Auburn 17th overall in the in the overall seeding for the NCAA tournament is is that far from from where RPI had Auburn before the tournament. Well, you'd rather you'd rather be seeded 22nd than seeded 17th. That's right. With the way the tournament shakes out, seven it, it's true. You'd almost rather be 31 or 32 than 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 16 or 17 because of who you could face in super regionals with the way things shake out. Alabama making the jump from the 12th seeded team in RPI to the number to five, five. I mean, that's, that's a little yeah. bit tougher to explain, but people have been pointing to Alabama's strength of schedule before conference play began. But no, Auburn's got a tough road. I mean, whether it's 16 or 17, you know, Auburn, Auburn would have had, you, you, you might have the number one team in the country in the super regionals. And if you do, that's, that's going to be a, if, if you don't, if Oklahoma's not, Hosting a super regional, you've got a huge, huge story there right. in I softball. Mean, I mean, crazy things can happen in round robin tournaments, but Oklahoma does enter the postseason with a forty-three game win streak, right. and they've been overly dominant all year. So it's a, uh, it's it's a, uh, it, it's it, it, it's a way for uh, uh, to, for Auburn to, uh, to to you know it's 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 a road for Auburn to uh, to, to try to take on. Appreciate it, guys. I, I appreciate the input and let me talk. So appreciate the call, Thanks. James. Thanks for hanging on. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Again, uh, we we have a pair of tickets for the Friday night matchup with Auburn and Missouri. Everyone calling in can qualify for that. Just uh, give your info to Drew. We'd love to hear from you as we uh, continue here on the uh, Wednesday edition of the Drive. He left that open for. I mean, he closed that for a reason. Huh? Oh, okay. All right. Um, let's we'll get back to the phone. Anything you want to talk about sports wise? As uh, you know, we we were talking with Jason about a multitude of sports, but how different it is, and it's really it's it's uh, almost hard to uh, uh, to wrap your wrap your mind wrap your head around 
the difference in perception there is now of the transfer portal, football and basketball-wise. I mean, football, Auburn had such an, an, it it seemed like almost an insurmountable or an unbelievable task ahead of them to try to remake the roster, and Hugh Freeze has just about completely done that. I mean... Well, you, you pointed out earlier in the week, right? I mean, Auburn has... Almost, I mean, they brought in almost an entire starting lineup worth of transfer portal on players. offense for sure, right? I mean, with with shorter, I mean, you're coming up on what ten veteran offensive players that are coming in via the transfer portal. Let's see, a quarterback. You've got a quarterback, a running back, um, four three, offensive three, linemen, three receivers, a tight end, four offensive linemen. Yeah, so that is ten. Right, quarterback, running back, tight end, four and four. Right or no, three. You're right. Three offensive linemen and a tight. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a four offensive linemen, three receivers, and a tight end. Yeah. It's it's ten. You're right, and they may not be finished offensively uh, depending on, on yeah. what happens. It's and, uh, they, and they all would, of them they would like to add another receiver, uh, and and that would that, that that's wild. That would give them eleven uh, tr- players, offensive players in the transfer portal. Auburn has has brought in eighteen. Players through the transfer portal, and I do wonder. And if it's hard to hard to say any of them aren't going expected to uh, possibly contribute this year. Do you think there are going to be coaches who who shoot for adding five, ten transfers to come into their offense every single year, and that's sort of how I, they're going to like that's going to be the life. I would of hope their... that they're not planning on doing that. I, I guess, man, uh, Jason's right. When Jason Caldwell was saying it's reminiscent, that could be reminiscent of what Jackie Sherrill did when he was uh, not bringing in many high school players and going to the junior college ranks every year. This would could be even more dramatic if you're bringing in players that just have one year. I was looking at the, the projected depth chart and looking at years of uh, eligibility remaining, and Auburn's classes right now among the scholarship players break down like this. 21 scholarship seniors, 21 scholarship juniors, then 10 sophomores, 9 redshirt freshmen, and 19 true freshmen. So uh, you're, you're pretty top-heavy. You, you've got a lot of freshmen. And then you've now, got, does, does the list of sophomores include third year? Yes, third year redshirt yeah, I'm sophomores talking guys and true sophomores. That, yeah, the guys that have three years of eligibility left. Where does the addition of shorter put Auburn in scholarships? Do you know off the off the top? I've got Auburn. I believe Auburn's at eighty. With shorter short? and Nixon, okay. shorter and Nixon, made and 80. Nixon. You're right. Okay, Nixon. Would so make- there are five. I think there are five spots left, and I don't know that Auburn's going to get. To all five. That's with the assumption that everyone who's in the portal is off the scholar is off scholarship and not coming back, right? And they don't, they don't count against yes. Them. Everyone yeah, who's entered the portal is. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I haven't put anybody back on who has entered the portal. Do you think of most the guys, of those guys have found spots? Now. If, if do you think anyone of the do you think anyone of the guys that, that maybe haven't found a spot yet, Auburn could look and think we have a spot. They're a player that has been in the system. Like maybe they're. I wonder where there could be reconciliation, if anywhere. On both sides, I'm going to look up who's not committed from the. Hal Gordon has not. I don't believe. Hal Gordon would be would be one of them. I think. Let me let me. Dylan Brooks uh, announced Kansas a couple of days ago. Right. Uh, Landon King Um, and Chick Dawson are both going to the Pac-12. Right. I'm just trying to think of guys that had not. Um, who who else has not? Embaugh's going to Purdue. Right. 
So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look that one up. All right. All right. We'll, we'll do that. But uh, but yeah. So that's one of the things yeah, that that we were talking about. There's trying to keep your classes balanced. I think it's very dangerous. And Hugh Freeze even talked about that. That yes, we're gonna have to go more heavily into the portal. And I think uh, it appears they've done an amazing job in that up to right now. Um, you know, refilling holes and improving the different positions. I had left. I had left some vacant spots on my roster. I only have a couple of spots left. That's if Auburn were to add another receiver and another defensive player. They'd love to get another edge. I don't know that they'll do that. Uh, there'd been talk about another uh, experienced defensive back. I'm not sure about that one either. I think there's a very good chance Auburn, you know, Auburn's hoping to land another junior college transfer in Markel Bell, the, the uh, uh, very large offensive tackle who's uh, visiting Ole Miss and Mississippi State. He may have gone to one of those uh, in the last few days, but has at least one more visit before he's going to make an announcement, it appears. And then we talked about Sean Hooks yesterday, and it turned out that he was on campus yesterday. The former receiver for Deion Sanders at Jackson State, who had committed to Ole Miss, uh, decided to decommit is uh, being recruited by quite a few schools, originally out of Florida. I think he's out of the Orlando area, a 6'4 receiver who caught 60-plus passes this past year at Jackson State. So um, he's not done, but prob- but I-, I would think it won't be very long before he makes a decision as well. Have you had any luck finding the... Uh- yeah, so the guys that are uncommitted from the most recent roster of Auburn football players who have not found a home, according to 24-7 uh, in the transfer portal tracker, uh, Tamichi Coley just went into the portal about a week ago, right? Oh, it was right towards the end of right. April. Still, still no word on where he's going. Powell Gordon, you mentioned earlier in the month, uh, went into the portal. No word yet. Uh, they have Cameron Brown as uncommitted, but Cameron Brown picked nah, the school. No, he, right? he announced yeah, Tennessee Chattanooga. Yeah, he's, he's going. He's dropping. He's dropping he's, down he's, from the bowl subdivision. A grad transfer at, at Tennessee Chattanooga. Level, yeah, but he's going to go be a mock for the uh, mm-hmm. for, for UTC. Scrappy mock. That's right. Um, now, how about this? Marquise Robinson, Jordan Ingram, and Joko Willis are all still listed as uncommitted. I thought Joko had found a spot. I, th- I thought Joko had picked a spot. I think Joko juices. has. So, some of these guys may have fallen through the cracks officially. I would not look for anyone from you know who, who had jumped into the portal from last year's roster to uh, to, to come back of, of these guys, at least. It seems like Auburn is uh, is looking. And like you said, a lot of them had moved on, and they've uh, m- most of them have, have found new schools. Yeah, so... Uh... Uh, so, so don't be surprised. I mean, like we were saying, uh, I think Auburn is still uh, in the mode of of adding another player or two. And then Shane, Shane Hooks is big too. Like that, that's a guy who I mean, six five. He's you know we, we've heard Hugh Freeze and catch radius Marcus Davis using catch radius. You know, as it's, that's the that's the million dollar phrase of the uh, of, of the of the spring for this Auburn football team, especially on the recruiting trail, looking for pass catching. Options. Uh, he just uh, uh, Shane Hooks just just mentioned that uh, this is in the last hour on social media. Oh, yeah, uh, he posted that he's uh, received an offer from Louisville. So and and he, he's he's been posting. I knew Gus in Central Florida had been after him he's, too. He's been posting on social on, on on his Twitter account. He's been posting the places that he gets offers from. I don't know if that's providing any sort of insight, but he's uh, he's mentioned uh, Louisville, Auburn, Liberty, Mississippi State, 
Utah and UCF among places in the last uh, in, in the last week or so that have uh, that have made their interest known in the wide receiver from Jackson State. Like you said, reopened his commitment after mm-hmm. changing his mind about Ole Miss. Yeah, so uh, keep an eye keep an eye on there. Basketball wise, I mean that's a different story. We do have a huge basketball portal update as well. Just in the last, all right. What, what, do, what do you have? Because this, this is not necessarily Auburn related. No, un- no, no. The one unless. Unless I, I, I hadn't seen anything that was Auburn related. Okay, well, Jeff Borzello tweeting out in the last couple of minutes that North Carolina's uh, Caleb Love had been committed to Michigan. He has backed away from his Michigan commitment. He has reopened his recruitment. The uh, North Carolina guard who had a sensational mm-hmm. NCAA tournament when they went to the Final Four. Yeah, he teased that about ago. about a half an hour ago that huge, huge portal news was coming. Yeah, and Caleb Love, uh, as, as Jeff Borzello says, he becomes the... Uh, uh, he becomes the best available player in the basketball transfer portal. Auburn, as we were saying, uh, looking for wing options. Boy, you're not kidding. Caleb Love, you, you wonder, I mean, th- there's going to be a market for his services. Uh, we've been talking about other places like UCLA and Indiana and Kentucky as as schools, Missouri, uh, as, as places that are going to be in on the perimeter players as well. But uh, this is uh, that's big news. You know, Caleb, Caleb Love could be, if it's not Auburn, Bill, don't be surprised if it's somebody else in the SEC. Right, based, oh, on, yeah. based on the way yeah, things don't, are going. Don't, yeah, you're, you're right. Let's get to our first break of hour number two again. Uh, you can call in, get into a drawing for a pair of Auburn, Missouri tickets for Friday night. Uh, we'd love to talk with you as we continue here on the Wednesday Drive. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill and Dan... Our thanks to Jason Caldwell being with us in hour number one. Hope you had a chance. Man, we, we touched on uh, just about everything. Started with um, collegiate golf where Auburn won their regional here at the Auburn University Club by one stroke over Vandy. I got him to talk uh, a little uh, PGA. Got him to talk. Now he talked Auburn baseball, basketball, and football. So hopefully you had a chance to hear that. If you missed any of it, Check out the podcast. That's right. You can uh, check out Podcast The Drive. However you listen to podcasts, go to RadioAlabama.net, go to ESPNAU.com, or use the Podcast Center uh, on, on, you know, on those fine websites, or just go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron. It's all available. However you listen to podcasts, all of that presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. All the best to Derek and everybody else there at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We were talking uh, about the difference in the feeling, I think, of uh, Auburn fans about the transfer portal uh, portal, as far as it relates to football and basketball. I think football fans are like, man, we love this thing. This transfer portal is great. Basketball fans are like, are you serious? Come on. Why aren't, why aren't we getting them? It's sort of like... Um, like Bruce saying a couple of days ago, you know, it's surprising that players haven't said the magic words in coming to Auburn. Look at the opportunity. Look at the way Auburn plays. Look at the 
the style of play as to how it fits someone if you like to run and you know, shoot. You know what he's not saying? Look at the financial offers that you're getting from Auburn NIL versus some of the other NIL options for some of the guys where Auburn's finished. Right, and as we, a we don't up. know that that's why. We don't, but I mean, there there have been there's been talk that there have been some players where NIL is playing an extremely right. large role. In, and Auburn didn't get those guys. Yeah, Auburn, and, and that's and that's not the only thing. With I mean, I think there were questions about fit with Matthew Cleveland as well in a in a Bruce Pearl system. It's pretty different than what was going on down in Tallahassee. They'd, yep. have, they'd, have, they'd have taken Matthew Cleveland. They'd have been happy with that. But no, I think Auburn. And the other the other thing with Auburn's relationship with the transfer portal, it very it's very much what have you done for me lately? Because you look, right. And the transfer portal is the reason Auburn has Jonathan Auburn's Broome. two all well Auburn's two all SEC players last year. Yes, both came through the transfer portal. Denver Jones picked Auburn in the transfer portal right. very recently. So, yep. they, you know, it, it's it's helped Auburn as well. Bruce Pearl, I think, imagined himself and still has the chance to be this. But I think Bruce Pearl imagined I think he himself thought as, it would be taken care of by now. It would be done. The guys that they were after would have made their decisions known I, by now. I think also after the last few seasons, Bruce Pearl, it was understandable that, that he would envision Auburn as one of the places that really knew how to work the transfer portal right. and, and find players that can fill your roster, whether it's when you find yourself in a recruiting battle against somebody, you know, against all the power conference, pro, major conference programs because it's somebody everybody wants, or if it's a recruiting battle where you found something of a diamond in the rough, you know, Bruce Pearl is usually, his, his roster is solid going into the summer. This is a slightly different story. Not only could Janai Broom do... Really significant damage to Auburn's oh, chances next oh, year. It would. I don't know if it's irreparable, but it would be. It would be significant. Yeah. To to find a to lose Janai Broom from this roster and find at this time at this time, you know, I think it would with what some of the other teams in this league look like, it would be real trouble for him. And that, that's not to say, and that can't influence Janai's decision. Right, he's got to no, think about. Janai's got to do the best thing for Janai Broom. Right, and if the best thing for Janai Broom is to begin a professional career in the NBA or elsewhere, mm-hmm. I get it. But boy, because of the timing, does it put a like? Is, is it? Is it? Does it? Does Auburn? Auburn season starts to hinge on on what Janai Broom decides to do. It is a. It's it's a massive decision as far as what Auburn does on the wing. You know that that's yeah. I think Bruce Pearl probably thought he'd have signed someone by now to replace. Alan Flanagan. And I think Auburn, a, a lot, if not all, their eggs in the Tyron Lawrence basket. And today, we, we, we touched on this a little yesterday, but today, um, the, of course, Jason is with 24-7. Vanderbilt's 24-7. One of their moderators today wrote that um, multiple people at Vanderbilt think Tyron Lawrence if he doesn't move on to the NBA, is coming back to Vandy. Said, uh, and I'll read you a little bit of what he wrote. These are people who've been in touch with Lawrence and or his family. It also sounds like Vandy's NIL offer is substantially higher now than it was at the beginning of the process. He goes on and writes, Of note, Lawrence played well on the first day of the G League Combine, then moved into more of a point guard lead ball handler type of role on day two and struggled. He needs more reps as the primary guy, and Vandy is his best opportunity to get those, and said he's getting feedback from NBA types. Hey, you know who one of those NBA types could be? Jerry Stackhouse. That's what I mean. Uh, who is saying he will get an opportunity mm-hmm. to play point and then Jason, 
Uh, we've talked about it a little bit while Jason was here, but Jason responded uh, in the thread and said, yes, there's no way he's going to get that kind of opportunity at Auburn because Auburn has Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson. Truly Donovan uh, earlier in the week talked about the Texas Tech connections as well, which is the, the apparently the um, – uh, the basketball NIL situation at Texas Tech has mm-hmm. rounded into form under right. the new coach. And there's a, um, uh, it, it's, uh, so, so Tyron Lawrence was at, uh, Sunrise Christian. Is it, is that the, the prep school, I believe? Yeah, he's teammates with, uh, with, with one of the players. Well, yeah, Moikobu yeah. M- M- is the, mm-hmm. uh, is, is the M- young Kobu, man who yeah. plays for, uh, plays for Texas Tech. For right. teammate, Tyron Lawrence. Right. They're, they're at Tech. So there's a, a couple of boxes. Also, uh, Truly Donovan says don't count out Memphis. Which is you know some, something that you know just just a note he throws in well, there. There's another guy that's that if you want to say oh yeah I've, I've been around if, if I, it's I, if, I know what those guys in the league do if it's if the what nil if the nil situations are competitive may, maybe it does weigh heavily that you've got a former NBA guard like Penny Hardaway or a former NBA guard like Jerry Stackhouse who could provide right. even more guidance and credibility mm-hmm. if that's what Tyron Lawrence is trying to round, you know, if he's trying to round his game into NBA form. Yeah, so that's why it's not a surprise that uh, that we heard yesterday that Auburn has offered uh, Chad Baker-Mazzara. The, uh, the Raider. Yeah. Northwest Florida State. Uh, and and former former San Diego State uh, Spartan part uh, started his career. Duquesne. That's du- right. That, that's yeah. right. Down up in uh, up in Pittsburgh, uh, he was a, <coughs> a, a, a Dukey uh, to begin his. Uh, yep. Not that kind of Dukey, not the ACC, uh, but but another kind of yeah. Up in uh, that's a gorgeous campus, by the way. If you're ever if you're ever in the Pittsburgh Duquesne? area, yeah. Uh, if you're ever if never, you're ever in the never, Pittsburgh never area, there. did a uh, uh, like a been to Pittsburgh one time, but it was to go to. Uh, to Three Rivers. Vis- yeah, visited. Oh, that, that's a great. Well, that's the old ballpark, right? Yeah. The new ballpark is one of the one of the nicer ones I've been to in Major League Baseball as well, or the newish ball. You know, the, the newer. The, the yeah, it's not the Rivers. old old ballpark, yeah. which was what Forbes. PNC's what Forbes Field. PNC's like twenty like twenty years old, something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, like that. They're about, but that that's a that's a great ballpark too. They really. I'm under the impression they decided to really emphasize the views. Like when they were, you know, the, the skylines and things like that, in in where they put the seats, and it's just, yeah, great, a great looking ballpark, uh, f- fun to uh, fun to explore if you're ever in the Pittsburgh area. But no, this uh, the, the Northwest Florida State basketball player starting to starting to seem more and more like a reasonable option if Auburn misses out on on some of the guys that they've been linked to in the past. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Don't forget, if you'd like to get into a drawing for a pair of tickets for. Friday night's Auburn-Missouri baseball game. It's a 6 o'clock start. Just call in. Drew will take your name. We'll draw for the winner just before the end of the show. Come on in and join us in the final half hour of the Wednesday Drive.
continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes here on this Wednesday. I got a pair of tickets for the Friday night Auburn-Missouri baseball game are available. Somebody uh, uh, can can win those. Just call in, let Drew know, and you'll go into the drawing. Um, all right, so, yeah. Uh, is there anything else we haven't touched on? I feel like we've we've hit quite a few different things today. What's the uh, what's the timeline on softball? I, I should I should know when when these things get rolling as far as when the postseason begins and when Auburn and Clemson uh, get going. I think it's it's a couple of I, I thought it was this weekend. It is, with, uh, which would indicate that we're probably going to get games in the softball postseason uh, very soon. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna effort. I probably could have looked that up during the commercial break instead of. Uh, the, instead of the, the nonsense we were discussing, but the uh, yeah, that, that's that's an exciting time as Auburn goes up to Clemson. Could be uh, you know, the the Oklahoma series in the second round looms potentially as as Oklahoma is a is a heavy favorite going into the postseason in women's softball. But Auburn's had a great season, and uh, they, uh, they they face Clemson, the 16 seed, as the two seed up in uh, up in that regional, and and they'll be they'll be in action soon. In the uh, in, in in the postseason in college in college softball, yeah, it's going to be um, either. Now the thing is, the last thing I saw was either twelve or two thirty on Saturday, so I'm looking for the, um, and I should I should have the notes, um, but yeah, it's Saturday. Is is when they will was when they will play their first game. No, so, that's that's the no no to Bill. They're they're playing Friday. They're playing uh they're, they're playing Cal State Fullerton on Friday at four thirty. Oh okay. And then and then the winner is because that game. Then is okay. Either, th- that then <clears throat> that that then depending on the outcome. Yes, twelve. I guess for some reason I I missed. Uh, my calendar thing, I'm, I missed that first. I saw no because I saw game. that too. The twelve or two thirty thing. I think that depends on whether they win or lose yeah. the first game. Yeah, that so, would make sense. So, so Auburn softball in action on Friday at four thirty against uh, against Cal State Fullerton, and that game will uh, will begin the uh, the Clemson regional. And I believe you'll be able to watch the Fullerton game on. Uh, on ESPN Plus, I believe I think that was going to be on the streaming service. So if you subscribe to ESPN Plus, you'll be able to watch uh, all of the Auburn and, uh, and and Fullerton series. I think a lot of this uh, this first weekend in the softball tournament is uh, is is available behind the ESPN Plus page. Yeah, if I just scroll down a little bit, today's a travel day. Tomorrow, Auburn practices twelve thirty to two, and then Friday at four thirty against Cal State Fullerton. I think some of the games from this weekend could be on television. So check your local listings after Friday. Uh, is you know depending on what happens in the tournament when Auburn plays, I, I don't know exactly what what ESPN is doing for the softball tournament. Exactly how much the that is on Friday game is uh, ESPN is yeah, plus the, fr- the Friday game is going to be on plus, and then that that could change as the postseason goes along. Uh, but to uh, to begin, uh, yeah, Auburn and uh, Auburn and Cal State Fullerton four thirty uh, live from Clemson up on ESPN plus. Yeah, so uh, an outstanding season. But as we've said, I mean, a, a, it's tough enough when you're when you're on the road. But this is, uh, um, you know, if if Matty Penta is on, Auburn's got a got a great shot there of uh, avenging last year's um, the way last year's season ended at Clemson. But then it's very likely. I mean, it's almost uh, almost 
as clo- about as close to a sure thing as possible that the winner is going to go to Oklahoma. Because, as we said, Oklahoma's on a 43-game winning streak. They're 55-1 and this year. They're 166-8 over the last three years. Uh, so, so Oklahoma is the, is the matchup for the winner of the Clemson Regional. Right, and that's, um, that's something that uh, came up earlier in the week in conversation because Auburn baseball, uh, one service, uh, the Times-Picayune, uh, had Auburn baseball as the two-seed at the number 16 seed uh, overall in uh, college baseball's regionals in their, in their projection. Another service we were talking about earlier, uh, Baseball America, uh, has Auburn a little bit further away uh, from the top 16. They had Auburn as the two-seed uh, at the five-seed overall, which, which puts Auburn a little bit closer uh, to, the, uh, uh, to, the, to the 20s and, and, and maybe even the 30s rather than uh, into the top 16. But Auburn has work to do. They've got, uh, you know, they've got, they've got opportunities ahead of them. Three games against Missouri and maybe some games in the SEC tournament as well to improve their standing. We'll see where, uh, we'll see where Auburn ends up in the postseason, uh, but they could be coming in with some momentum. Yes. And, but one of the things that, that Jason was talking about, it's just ridiculous, is when you look at the college baseball RPI. Kentucky is number one in RPI. Wake Forest is number two. Then here we go. Arkansas, three, LSU, four, South Carolina, five, Florida, six, Vanderbilt, seven. Six of the top seven teams in in college baseball RPI are in the SEC, and all six of those have better conference records than Auburn. So it's, it's very unlikely... Yeah, it's about like the odds of Oklahoma losing their regional this weekend that the NCAA is going to allow seven SEC teams to be hosting regionals. So Auburn would need <clears throat> Auburn would need to jump up over those teams at least finish with better conference marks. And the closest to Auburn right now is Kentucky, which is one game ahead of Auburn. By the way, Alabama's number 10 in RPI, and Auburn is number 20. So that's why Jason said when we first started talking with him that even a sweep of Missouri and a win in the SEC tournament would not guarantee, even though it would look like what a great argument it would be, because there would be no team hotter than Auburn going in, but you've just got so many teams ahead of you here in the same league. Well, it's not just about what you've done in the last 15 games of the season either. It's also about what kind of team you were at the beginning of conference play. It's also about what kind of team you were in out of conference play. Auburn, uh, like you said, could be one of the hottest teams in the country going into the baseball postseason, especially if they keep this run going uh, against Missouri and in the SEC tournament. But they may have fallen too far back by the middle of conference play uh, to find themselves comfortably in the top 16 at any point between now and, and, even if, and, 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 the, and the reveal of the bracket. Like I said, even if you're in the top 16 and you're the eighth SEC team, yeah. you're not going to get to host. Seems unlikely unless you're un- unless you're t- unless you're in the top ten. Maybe, maybe they're. I mean, depending on who else they yeah, have. Just those... look right now. Alabama's Alabama's in the top ten and they're seventh. Yeah, I mean, and they are. Alabama is. I think Baseball America. Are you, had, see, are you seeing them as a seat as a host anywhere? No. Uh, no. Al, uh, Baseball America had had Tennessee really close to the top sixteen. I think they had Tennessee as the two seed. Uh, Tennessee is seed. Tennessee's twenty three in the RPI right now. Right. And they they had Tennessee seventeenth on on their board because they had them at the uh, 
at Indiana State, uh, the 16 seed in their uh, in, in their rankings. But but no, it, it does feel like I mean Auburn could do it. I mean Auburn's got a couple of games left uh, before uh, before they reveal the bracket. Uh, but no, it, it does feel like it's um, you know it, it could be more about Auburn being one of the better two seeds on the board. Uh, if uh, if if not yeah. if not selected uh, as a host and and the other thing is we were talking about how big the series is Missouri's thirty eight in RPI and they're in the SEC tournament right now they are tied for the eleventh spot um, so they want to at least make sure they get in the tournament if Missouri wins the series at Auburn that probably really is a big boost for them to try to get in the tournament. All right, so Baseball America, projected field of 64 earlier today. They've got Fayette, they've got Arkansas hosting as the number two seed overall. They've got Florida. Uh, these are the one seeds. These are the SEC teams on the right. one line. Baseball America. Uh, Arkansas, they've got as the number two seed overall. Florida, they've got as the number three seed overall. LSU, LSU they've got as the four seed overall. Right. They've got... Vandy's uh, got to be in there. They've got somewhere. Vanderbilt, nine. Yep. Uh, they've got Kentucky, 11. They've got South Carolina, 13. All right, and those are the six teams that are in the top seven in RPI. All right. Other SEC teams in the draw, according yeah. to Baseball America. And I think that's probably reasonable. I mean, you're talking about 16 regional sites. Six to one conference is is about as about as uh, good as you're going to get. Right, and the, and the SEC still represented in the tournament beyond the one line. They've got Tennessee as the two seed in the 16 seeds regional. Uh, they've got... Uh, they've got Alabama as the two seed against Miami in the 12 seed regional. So assuming the, and I, I don't know how how firm baseball is with the, if you're the 17 seed, you go to the 16 seed, or if they mix and match they, a little they bit there. They try to uh, not make teams travel too far if they're fairly high seeds. I mean, there have been, there have been times when there have been seven SEC schools hosting. But you'd better have, there better be seven probably in the top 12. So they've got... You know, you better not just hit 16 and think, well, we're the seventh team and, and be assured that you're hosting. They've got, Indi- they've got Indiana State hosting a regional as the number 16 seed overall. They've got Tennessee as the two seed in that regional. They've got Miami hosting a regional as the number 12 seed overall. They've got Alabama as the two seed in yeah. that regional. Yeah. They've got... Uh, Stanford hosting a regional as the number five seed overall. They've got Auburn as the two seed in that regional. Which and one? They, Where? Baseball America's got Auburn as the two seed in the Stanford. That's what regional. Jason was saying. It's been, it's very rare that Auburn's been sent that far. And if, if Auburn is a team, if they continue to play well, they win the series against Missouri, then I, I think they'll be kept somewhere where it's not you know, using, thousands of miles away. Using the projected non-SEC hosts, the East Coast places where Auburn could be sent. Wake Forest is a one. Yep. That, that, that's Winston-Salem, North Carolina. They got coastal. Do they have coastal hosting? They have, they have Clemson as the six seed, uh, over, as a six overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Clemson's hosting. Yeah, I've seen Auburn projected there. West Virginia hosting as the number seventh overall seed. Morgantown, West Virginia. Conway, South Carolina, that's coastal. Right. As the eighth seed overall They've got. Yeah, that's what Jason was saying. He'd seen, and I'd heard that one as a possibility as well. They've got Charlottesville West. So they've got Virginia as the 10 seed uh, Mm -hmm. overall. So Virginia would be a hosting site. That could be a a possibility for Auburn as a two seed. 
Miami, uh, which is where they've got Alabama going. Uh, Massachusetts, they got Boston College. Yeah, as, BC. A, as, as, as a host. That's uh, what about what about Dallas Baptist? Dallas Baptist is the fifteen. Okay. They've got Texas and Texas A and M in the Dallas Baptist oh, that regional. Makes sense. Potentially, yeah. a, a, that that could be a place where if uh, if one of the Texas schools, Dallas Baptist, probably the best chance for a Texas area regional. Sure, that could be where say they, they send some of the other schools uh, from uh, from that area. Yeah, because you're not going to be in an SEC site, so that's sort of that cuts it down a little bit. Baseball America's also got the Troy Trojans uh, making the NCAA, so that's another projection that has Troy in the field as an at-large. Well, I think they've got a shot, especially if they can win the tournament. Then, then obviously they're in. But I mean, they've got a shot of making it. Um, as long as they close things out pretty well. That tournament's coming up in Montgomery, by the way. Sunbelt tournament being yep. held at uh, at, at, the, uh, at Riverwalk. Troy 36 in RPI. Going to be a tough... Right now. Coastal Carolina's really good, so that yeah, Sunbelt Sun Belt tournament's going to be tough. Southern Miss has also had a great season. They're projected as a high at-large. Yeah, they're 28th yeah. in so, RPI. So there's a couple of Sunbelt teams. Texas State uh, is is a team that people think uh, could make an at-large, uh, could be an at-large as well uh, from the... Uh, they're, they're on down there. They, that's... They probably need to play really well. I they're they're forty eight. Yeah, ba- baseball America's got Texas State as actually. How about this? Baseball America's last four in the draw are TCU, UC Irvine, Notre Dame, and USC. So those are their last four hmm. teams in the field. Their first four out. Uh, th- those are four schools of you know not not really of those are schools that that are around the same RPI as. As Texas State, TCU's 47, UC Irvine's 45, Notre Dame's 52. Who was the other one? The other one is uh, is Southern Cal, U- USC. USC, Notre Dame, UC Irvine, USC and is 56. USC. All right, So the, and then their first four out, Xavier, North Carolina State, Rutgers, and UTSA. Don't really have a, a, a notable interest there. How about the next four out, though, Bill? Includes Missouri and Georgia. So Baseball America's got Missouri on the next four out line. And Missouri and Georgia are the ten and seventeen teams in the conference right now. Right, and and those those are the uh, the ten and what? They're ten and seventeen in, in RPI. Conference. No, no, I mean in in the in the league right now. They both need to win the series at least this weekend. I think they need to win two out of three this weekend. Yes, and and I think those are those are two teams that apparently can not only play their way into. It, are are they both going to make the SEC tournament? Yeah. Okay. They're, right they're, now. Yeah, they're they're both going to make it right now. And and if they if one of them were to finish strong, they could play their way in as an at large because they've got games against really good teams. Their RPI can improve. Their computer numbers can improve. So Georgia and Missouri look like teams that are on the bubble right now in the SEC, but could very much get into the tournament if they played well uh, down the stretch. Missouri uh, coming to Auburn this weekend. Yeah, the two teams right now that are out are your last two national champs. Ole Miss and Mississippi State are the two teams that are right now on the outside and not even going to make the SEC tournament. Is that crazy? All right, we'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Um, Still one more chance for you to get into a drawing for a pair of Auburn-Missouri tickets for Florida. Stick with us here on the Wednesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final couple of minutes here on the Wednesday Drive. And we'll draw for the uh, winner 
of the tickets for the Friday Auburn-Missouri game. And Andrew, congratulations. Uh, you have won those tickets. You can stop by here at the uh, station. You, uh, we're, we're uh, here on North, what is it? Dean? Dean, yeah. yeah. Golly, man, I'm blanking. Yeah, North Dean Road. Um, and you can come by during regular business hours. Well, anytime between 8 and when we're done on the air. Because we're here until right at 6 o'clock. But uh, the tickets will be waiting for you. And hopefully you enjoy the game on Friday. We may have some Saturday tickets that we'll find out about tomorrow when we're on the air. So what are the sorts of things over the next couple of days and weeks? Well, what are the sorts of things that Auburn fans can, can be looking for? There's the possibility of adding somebody for Yeah, football. there's always a possibility of adding another player or two. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we have heard that Peyton Thorne is on campus already throwing with the receiver, so you'd like to add, if you're going to add another receiver, you'd like for him to be around and start getting, uh, um, you know, building some chemistry with with the quarterbacks as the quarterback quarterbacks and receivers throwing the summer workouts don't start for a little while so there's no there's no huge urge just because classes started today for players to make decisions but I think it's still advantageous to do so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some more football news don't really know when to expect anything basketball wise but Auburn really you know wants to add another wing and of course, is is waiting to to hear if Janai Broom does decide to come back. Yeah, following uh, Draft Express on uh, on Twitter, who who has uh, got a couple of box scores from these draft combine pickup games. How about Janai Broom today? Oh yeah, twenty and eleven, three assists, two blocks for Janai up against a bunch of other NBA draft prospects. Some familiar names uh, taking part in this game. This well, uh, you know what I heard somebody say earlier today. It's like, uh, gee, what happens when you let him play? 23 and a half minutes, Bill. And he threw that points. out there. Yeah, eight, He eight. is really, really playing well. 8 of 14 shooting. He hit a three-pointer. I mean, this is... He's shooting like 65% thus far yeah. in all these uh, exhibitions. Five, and five offensive rebounds. Nobody else in the game had more than three. I mean, this is a... It's, it's a, an impressive offseason. That's great, but man, yeah, it, it, makes, it makes you a little nervous. This? There's some good news, bad news about yeah, Janai I mean, Broom's offseason, folks. That's great for Janai. Great for Janai, and, and everybody you know, wants him to have a great career. It's just nobody expected his professional career. Nobody was thinking it, it might start this soon. Yeah, he, he was matched up for some of that game against uh, Imani Bates, the former oh, Memphis yeah. five-star. Uh-huh. They, they were doing battle, and Janai had himself an impressive, uh, an impressive afternoon. And he, yeah, he's he's really playing well. Now, thanks to Jason Caldwell for being with us. Uh, tomorrow is is uh, Ferg with us tomorrow. Jo- Justin Ferguson in the house tomorrow. He's at the uh, he's at the ambush right now, so he'll have a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Nobody better to be talking a little basketball with than Justin Ferguson. And of course, we'll talk much more. Hopefully you'll join us. We're out of time here on the Wednesday Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. 
I'm Doug Brown. The NBA's Eastern Conference Finals tip off tonight in Boston. Game one for the Celtics and the Heat. Same two teams from last year's Eastern Finals, which Boston won in seven games. ESPN's Doris Burke believes the Heat could steal one of these first two games on the road. If this is a possession ball game down the stretch, and both teams have been really good um, in those moments, but, but Miami in particular, they've played an obscene number of close games this year. So if it's clutch time basketball and you've got one of the great closers in Jimmy Butler, who the last few playoffs has been absolutely brilliant, that's all you're hoping for on the road here against this team. Doris Burke on Fitz and Harry. Doris will call tonight's game one with Dave Pash here on ESPN Radio with our coverage starting at 8 Eastern. Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman gets a 10-game suspension and a fine for violating the sticky substance rules. Herman was ejected in the fourth inning of his start against the Blue Jays on Tuesday. Baseball finals today. The Dodgers beat the Twins 7-3 thanks to a James Outman grand slam in the seventh. The Giants beat the Phillies 7-4. A three-run eighth inning breaks up a tie game. And the Rockies beat the Reds 11-6. Colorado comes from 5-0 down with 5 in the 6th and then uh, 5 in the 5th and 6 in the 6th to get the win. After voters turned down a proposed $2.1 billion development in Tempe, the Arizona Coyotes should play at Arizona State next year. Coming up Thursday, Bucks, Suns, 76ers, and Raptors, and Pistons are all looking for a new head coach. I'll tell you which is the best available job. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. Co-host of Joe and Amber with Joe Fortenbaugh, friend of the show. Good morning. I'd like to think I'm a friend of the show as well. Amber, are you not a FaceTime person? Oh, goodness. We're getting into the conversation just, that just we just wanna, had with Yates off I just, air. I just want to know. I heard a lot of arguing and bickering. I heard you have a problem with this. No, she has a problem with it, man. It's not that I have a problem with FaceTiming generally. I have a problem with the FaceTime, FaceTime that you're not expecting. Like the kids these days. Like Yates. It's all they do is FaceTime. I don't fully get that. You can always There's just deny the FaceTime and be like, I, hey, I'll hit you back later. I could, but then Yates is saying that I would have to return the call to you him. You gotta call me back. And if know? I haven't talked to you in a while, I text you, hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm good. Okay. I need to make sure that you are actually good. This is a very invasive generation, but listen. You do you. We Uh, care, Amber. We care. Invasive generation. From Miami, Florida. To Las Vegas, Nevada. To you. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Yates going in on me this morning when I joined Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. Joe, you cannot understand why I don't like the impromptu FaceTime. You know, as a guest, they're supposed to roll out the red carpet for you. They're not supposed to make life uncomfortable, disagreeable, create all these. You were brought on that show to deliver beautiful, insightful analysis as to the Miami-Boston series. That is right in your wheelhouse Amongst mm-hmm. many other things. And for yeah. the segment to devolve like that is just classic, shameless sports talk radio. 
Which I have no problem doing tonight on this show either. It, uh, it's how it goes on that show. Uh, it's funny because, of course, we were having that conversation off air, all of us, before we went in from break. I didn't actually expect them to start there with me. I should have known because that's what we all do here often, right? A, a little look behind the curtain. But it was funny because I was the one who had to bring the conversation. Like, I tried to steer the conversation back to the heat. <laughs> I'm like, you know what's good? Also, the Miami Heat. I'm like, you know who's young and probably uses FaceTime? Everybody playing in this game tonight. So I'm trying to steer because I only have a small window here to spread my heat propaganda and I've got to do it while I can. Now, I was supposed to be on the heat propaganda world tour today. I was very oh. excited about that. I was supposed to appear on KJM this morning. Well, I was supposed to appear on Greeny this uh, late morning as well. And the Greeny producers reach out to me and they said, well, since you were just on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, we're going to bump you to Friday. And I wrote back. Is it a little too much heat amber on ESPN radio at one time, you know? And the answer to that was yes. We got to spread the takes around. You know what? That might be what makes them feel better about themselves. Let me ask you something. Who was hosting that show this morning? Was it Mike Greenberg or was it CNC Music Factory? I mean, we we all know who was hosting yeah, that show today. I think today. we all know, you, we you all know, know the answer. You dodged the bullet. Question. You didn't want to spend your. You don't want to waste your time. Yucking it up with those two. Okay, I'm not even going to say their names, but CNC Music Factory, you don't want to muck it up with those two guys. You have better things to do, like prepare for this fine program. Uh, prepare for this fine program and prepare for this game tonight. My head is in the game. 8.30 p.m. tip-off between my Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. That means coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio at 8 p.m. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. So tune in tonight. That is game one of the Eastern Conference Finals presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and, of course, on Sirius XM Channel 80. And let's talk about this matchup because this is an easy one on paper, Joe. On paper, overwhelmingly, the Boston Celtics should win this series. They are the better team. The problem for the Celtics is the series is not played on paper. It's played on the hardwood. And it's very hard to evaluate this Heat team when you come off of the paper because the paper has everything to do with including the entire bottle of body of work, which also includes a regular season. And the Heat tend to have a tendency to do this, where the regular season doesn't look anything like the same team playing in the postseason. So let's start with the odds to give people perspective as to what Vegas thinks about this. ESPN Analytics says Miami has a 3% chance of winning this series. A bit of a slap in the face, I would say, to Miami fans, but so be it. That's what the numbers say in that respective model. The series price, according to our friends at Caesars here in Vegas, Miami is a plus 410 underdog. Boston is a minus 540 favorite. That means you have to risk 540 bucks to win 100 bucks on the Celtics winning the series. That minus 540 implies that they have an 84% chance of winning this series. Do I see the Celtics as a favorite? Yeah, absolutely. Should they win the series? Yeah. Are they that big of a favorite? I don't necessarily agree. But when it comes to game one, the same thing's happening. All right? Miami opens as an eight-point dog. A lot of us feel that that's too many points to give a Heat team that knows how to keep games close. It's now up to eight and a half. So it's been Boston money. Another surprise here? A lot of money on the over. This game opened around 207 and a half, 208. It's now up to 212, if I'm reading this correctly. So overall, that's what you're seeing. The Heat have been absolute dogs throughout the course of the postseason. I worry, though, and I wonder as a Heat fan how much you worry about this, if some of those poor shooting nights are going to catch up to them in this series. Because they they got away with some duds against the Knicks only because the Knicks were so much worse. 
Right. They did. Now, they were able to. And also, Jimmy Butler was dealing with an ankle injury. You didn't need those monster offensive performances that you got from him in the first series against the Bucks. You didn't need those against the Knicks. Nevertheless, I think you're probably going to need at least quite a few of those against the Boston Celtics. Again, the Celtics on paper are easily the better team. The Celtics are better when you look at the roster. I mean, there's, what, seven undrafted players on this Miami Heat team? There's four in heavy in the rotation. This is a Miami Heat team that doesn't have Tyler Hero playing. I mean, it's pretty inconceivable that they're here. And yet, they're here again and again. And these are the two teams that we've seen dominate the Eastern Conference, frankly, over the last decade. Now, I'm surprised to hear about the spread tonight, really, because that seems like a large spread for a team in Boston coming off of Game 7. I understand they're on their home court tonight, but after Game 7, post-Game 7 teams are 33-52 and 52 since 1988. So you're talking about a big hangover when you have to play a Game 7. That seems like something that could catch up to Boston a bit tonight. It's and an I'm interesting not, angle. Not, you know, I think... I'm, and I again, I'm not necessarily, I'm just talking about the actual spread. I'm not necessarily saying straight up. No, of course. But that spread seems like a hefty one when Historically, Boston just took it to seven. We just saw this in the last series with the Lakers and the Warriors. The Warriors came off that seven-game series. They beat the Kings. They roll in the game one on 48 hours, turn around, Lakers smack them in their own home gym. That's the thought process for what happens to teams coming off at game seven. One thing to keep in mind here, the game seven for the Celtics was on Sunday afternoon, so you had the recovery time Sunday night, and you didn't have to play Tuesday. You are playing Wednesday, so you get the extra day. But Miami having an extra two days of rest, being very well coached, coming out blazing on the road in both series so far. They went to Milwaukee in Game 1 and got a victory. They went to New York in Game 1 and got a victory. I don't see why they can't keep it close tonight unless they just have a very... Very poor shooting night. Two teams that absolutely love to bomb threes. Whoever gets hot wins this one. It's funny, actually, ideology-wise, these are two very similar teams. In fact, Boston is kind of everything that Miami wants to be, right? Like, both of these teams, defensive-minded teams, and they like to kill you from behind the arc. And Boston does it statistically a little bit better than Miami does it. But again, Miami in the postseason is a very different Miami team than the Miami team that we saw all season long. The Celtics, though are not a good team in the fourth quarter when you take the entire body of work. That's been their worst quarter all season long. That's Miami's best quarter all season long and including very much in this postseason. So it's not necessarily how hot of a start Miami gets out tonight. It's how Miami finishes. They're like that gnat that won't go away, that just keeps buzzing around you and buzzing around you and buzzing around you. It's what they do in the series overall. They elongate the series. They are very hard to get to go away, even when on paper they are the lesser team. And it's what they do in the actual games as well. They just wear you down and wear you down. That could catch up to the Celtics because, again, the Celtics are not a team that finishes well but they get out so far ahead of their opponents early on that sometimes they can survive that storm they're not going to necessarily be able to do that against the miami heat team that all it knows how to do is if finish. you've ever seen the movie rounders teddy kgb sums up the miami heat perfectly when he talks about alligator blood they've got alligator blood it's tough to kill them mm-hmm. and when it's tough to kill a team like that covering eight and a half hey i can get on board with something like that We are definitely going to continue to talk about this game out throughout the show tonight. But coming up next, what was Joel Embiid's reaction to Joe's 76ers firing Doc Rivers? We will get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Mornings.
with TJ and Max. Watching the Memphis Grizzlies suspend him, I want to know for how long. And I'm also fascinated to see how Adam Silver is going to handle this. I believe John Morant should be suspended for 25 to 30 games. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Weekday morning starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now. 800-687-5192. That's 800-687-5192. U.S. Tax Shield. 800-687-5192.